Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He was well received by the multitude of his brethren. So he's received by the majority of the people. This is what he was doing. He was seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. Typically, you get well received by the people when you're real, when you do, when you're doing a good job, when you're doing the right thing. You know, Mordecai is well received by the majority of the people, and it says he's seeking the good of all his people and speaking peace to his countrymen. In your walk with Jesus, have you been purposeful in keeping the peace? Have you made it a point to cultivate relationships and show God's love through how you live your life? In today's message, Pastor Bill wants you to know that if you want to further God's kingdom and make a way for believers to dwell in the presence of the Lord, give all that you can in your relationships. The more love you give, the more others will turn to God. Be a light for Him in everything that you do. Share His good news. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Esther, chapter 9, as he continues his message, Divine Rehearsals. The queen is a Jew. So if the king likes his queen and she's a Jew, the Jews ain't got nothing to worry about. Amen. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be just fine in this area um, until <laughs> unless he does a Vashti on her and puts her out. So um, but for right now, things are looking great for them. And again, God has turned many things in their favor at this point. Uh, let's move on. Look at verse 17. Now, this was on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th day of the month, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were at Shushan assembled together on the 13th day, as well as the 14th and on the 15th of the month. And they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who dwelt in the unwalled town celebrated on the 14th day of the month of Adar with gladness and feasting as a holiday and for sending presents to one another. And so the Jews that were in the provinces, they, they held this feast and celebration on the 14th of the month. The Jews that were in Shushan celebrated on the 15th. And this is the beginning of a, what we call the Feast of Purim. Um, and this is where we get the, the word Purim from. If you guys remember when, when Haman cast the lot to see how long before we're going to go kill them, the, the word for lot is Pur. And so it's the Feast of Purim. So it was God's providence that because what if he had cast a lot? They would have said one month. Um, th- th- all that happened in that time would have been very difficult. But 11 months gave a lot of time. 11 months gave time for Esther to go for the for all these things to transpire. God had gifted them time to do so. And so it's the feast of Purim. They're acknowledging for the, for the Jews. The feast were a way to, to remember what God had done and to celebrate it. Um, for us to be like, you know, we celebrate a birthday. Oh, this is the day that you were born. Um, but this is greater. These are spiritual celebrations. We're celebrating God's intervention, God's deliverance, God's faithfulness, much like what the Jews have been commanded to do over their history. Celebrate the Passover. It's when, you know, we pass over you guys. Everybody else, you know, felt something you didn't deal with. Um, and you need to remember that I did that for you. Uh, we're talking about a little bit later how important it is that we not forget the things that God has done, how God wants us to remember. So the feast days were, it was a way for them to remember 
what God had done. It was a, it was a way for them to remember and to acknowledge and to celebrate what God had done. Imagine that years down the line as they're having the Feast of Purim and someone's got little kids. Dad, what is this feast about? Why are we doing this? Son, this is what happened. This is We were in this situation. The Jews are all going to be killed. Haman, uh, you know, had, had got a decree signed by the king. But, you know, Mordecai talked to Esther and you explain the whole story. And you celebrate what God has done and you give God the glory. And the story was to go on and on throughout their generations. So and, and if you look at how they celebrate it, it kind of feels like Christmas, right? It says they were giving gifts. They were celebrating. They were eating good food. Um, that To me, it sounds like a little Thanksgiving and a little Christmas, you know. Um, they have food, festivities, and gift giving going on. We're remembering, you know, what God had done and his faithfulness to them. So I would encourage you guys, we should commemorate God's faithfulness in our lives. You sh- we should commemorate our spiritual birthdays. We should, you know, for those that remember, I know a lot of people can't remember when they got saved. They're, you know, it's an error of time or maybe a month or whatever. We should remember those things and celebrate them. Those are our victories. That's when we went from death to life. That's when everything changed on our behalf for God's glory. And so we should remember and commemorate those things. Some people have argued, why do we celebrate Christmas? That's not actually Jesus's birthday. It's not. December 25th is not his actual birthday. The problem is we don't know his actual birthday. So we just, on December 25th, we collectively say we're going to remember that he was born and what a big deal that was. And, you know, I'd rather enjoy the celebration, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get closer uh, to Christmas. So here's something I want to point out to us. There's a, there's a danger in uh, forgetting, and that's why these feasts oftentimes were were put in place that would help us to remember what God had done. Look at verse 20 now. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews near and far who were in the province of King Ahasuerus to establish among them that they should celebrate yearly the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar as the days on which the Jews had rest from their enemies as the month which was turned from sorrow to joy for them and from mourning to a holiday that they should make them days of feasting and joy of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. And so Mordecai commemorates the day. He says, look, on the these two days, the 14th and the 15th, since since y'all since, you know, we had two different celebrations. We're going to celebrate this for two days. We're going to do this every year. And um you know, he puts it down as this This is now a holiday for us. We're going to remember this every year that God did this for us. Um, moving on, look at verse 23 now. Um, it says, so the Jews accepted the customs which they had begun as Mordecai had written to them because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to annihilate them and had cast per. That is the lot to consume them and destroy them. And then we got a big but in verse 25. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot, which Haman had devised against the Jews, should be should return on his own head and that he and his sons should be hanged on a gallows. In my Bible, I underlined the phrase, but when Esther. Um, And I want you to note why this is so important. Uh, because things are going a certain way. Um, things are going in an unfavorable, undesirable direction concerning the Jews and God's people. Um, and, and, you know, oftentimes we see this throughout scripture that God will use people. Somebody has to stand up. 
Someone has to be, someone has to be the difference. Someone has to make a, be a witness. Someone has to stand in the gap for the weak or stand in the gap for those that cannot. And so Esther had been positioned, but y'all know she had to step up, right? God had, God had done all those things to put her in a place, all the stuff that was not her fault, her being beautiful, her being picked in the pageant, her being, having favor with the king, all that was not her fault, not her doing. God set her up and put her in that position, but she had to take it in her hands at a point. She had to operate. She had to step out in faith and, and, and really just she had to trust God with her whole life. Right. I might walk into this room and die today. If the king does not hold out his scepter, I die. But I'm willing to take that risk in order to save other people's lives. Mine, too, eventually. But other people, I'm, I'm willing to take this step uh, to save my people, God's people. And so I would encourage us, challenge us even Um that God wants us to be people that that step out in faith. There should be there should be some scenarios where where you know maybe things are going a certain way, but when Bill, but when you stepped out, but when you obey God, but when you stepped out in faith, this might be sharing the gospel with somebody. This might be stepping in and intervening in a situation. This might be standing up for truth in a in a difficult situation. God puts us all in different places at different times. And there are moments where God is saying, I want you to do this. I want you to do it in faith. Something I've learned over the years of walking with God is the things that God typically will push you to do are always uncomfortable. They're always, God always wants me to do, God never calls me to do the thing that's like, oh, that would be fun. That is, you know, I don't have to, you know, God always calls us to do and puts us in position to do things where, God, I can't do this without your help. There's a, there's a there's a recognition of my own weakness, my own inability to carry this out without God's help. And that's where faith is needed. God, I need to trust you for this. I need to believe in you. I need to I need to step out in faith in you to do this. And so I would challenge you guys tonight to consider, are there things that God is calling you to do? Are there are things that God is stirring up in your heart. Are there are things that God is positioning you to do that you got to trust him for. You got to step out in faith. There may be relationships that you have. And God is saying, I want you to share with them. You have the relationship and you're hoping somebody else will do it. I'm, I'm praying that somebody at work would get saved and tell them the gospel. No, you you are in their life. Um, you step out in faith. You be the one to make the difference. Um, Queen Esther, stepped, she did step in faith, literally. And so when we read this here, I, I just think it's a big deal. But when Esther came before the king, um, everything at that point, the king gave the letter um, you know, change everything around. Now Haman hung on the gallows. His sons are dead. They've been hanged. Uh, everything really changed at, at that juncture in the story. And, and that can be the case for many of us that when we step out in faith, there could be some things that are different. There could be, there could be a difference that we make in this life. Um, and so I encourage you guys to be praying. Uh, a step of faith is not just a random stepping out at, I'm going to just do something crazy tomorrow. A step of faith, faith has always got to be in God or in God's word, in what God said. Faith is in God or in when God, in what God instructed you to do. Um, so I don't want y'all to wake up tomorrow and do something crazy and be like, I took a step of faith and, and it didn't work out. You know, um, faith is in God, in God's word. If there's something you know, God has spoken to you, been speaking to you, continues to speak to you. Take the step, step out, obey him, see what he would do. As you walk in obedience to his word. And so moving on now, look at verse 26. It says, so they called these days Purim after the name Pur. Therefore, 
because of all the words of this letter, what they had seen concerning this matter and what had happened to them, the Jews established and imposed it upon themselves and their descendants and all who would join them that without fail, they should celebrate these two days every year according to the written instructions and according to the prescribed time that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province and every city that these days of Purim should not fail to be observed among the Jews and that the memory of them should be should not perish among their descendants. And so it, it seems like it's a big deal here. They're saying, look, I don't want this to be forgotten. I want this to be memorialized. I want you guys to celebrate this. I want you to do it every year just the way we prescribed on the days that we prescribed. And let me say this is why it is a, a flaw in human nature that we forget quickly. Um, you know, God could do something amazing and we be them, you know, we, we, you know, we're so thankful in that moment, you know, overjoyed. And then we just forget next trial comes up next, next thing comes up and we've forgotten how faithful God is. We've forgotten what God has done in the past and we're, and we're supposed to draw on his past faithfulness for our new challenges, but we're forgetful people. And so, um, God says there are times where he, he, you know, throughout scripture, God would do things and make him remember all the feasts were to make them remember what God has done. Uh, when Joshua led the children of Israel, you know, when he, when he led them into the promised land and they, they crossed the Jordan, he made them pick up stones and they picked up stones out of the bottom of the, you know, Jordan as they walked through. And when they got there, they had to stack them up. These were memorial stones. He said, these are stones that for, from now on, when your kids grow up and ask you, what are these stones? I want you to remind them what God did for us, how we walked through this thing, how the, we came to the, the, the borders of the Jordan when it was overflowing. And when the priest stepped down, the water opened up and we walked through on dry land. I want you to be able to tell your kids that's where these stones came from. He wanted them to remember that. Um, why do we do communion, right? God wants you to remember. He said, do this in remembrance of me because God knows we'll forget. We'll forget what it's all about, right? That's why we do communion on a regular basis. Um, if, if you remove communion, we forget about the broken body and the shed blood. That's what this is all about. That's the most important thing that's ever been done for us. And God said, don't forget that. You, you, you remove that. And, and, and I'm, if I'm just here preaching God's commands to us, this is what God wants you to do. It can start feeling like, God, you, 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 you expect a whole lot out of me. But in light of his death on my behalf and his resurrection from the grave, in light of that, it doesn't seem like God's asking for a whole lot. I got to remember that. I got to keep myself in remembrance of what God has done. A couple verses, I'd like you to write them down uh, in your notes. Um, just speak to the danger of, 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 of forgetting what God has done. Uh, one of them is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, verses 10 through 12. So if you're writing notes, write down Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. And I'm going to read that to us real quick. It says this in Deuteronomy 6. It says, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, so when you satisfied, things are going good, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Is that when you live in large, when you live in the big houses that you didn't build and you eating big grapes that you didn't plant and you live in all comfortable, your belly is full. He says, be careful that thing. Y'all know that's that's the most dangerous time for believers is when things are going great. 
When things are going poorly, most of us know how to press into the Lord. When things are not going well, when you have some situation over hanging over your head, we know how to just get down. We need, we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. I need to get before God about this thing. It's when things are going great. It seems that that's the most dangerous time for many believers. When you got some extra money, uh, when you got extra time, when things are going very well, um, it's then that we forget. You know, we can forget the Lord. And so we have to be more disciplined in good times that we will remember the Lord and remember what he's done. Uh, one more verse. Uh, this is in Psalm uh, 106, verse 7. I'll read it to you. Psalm 106, verse 7 says this. It says, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but they rebelled. Um, they, but I'm sorry, but they rebelled by the sea. The Red Sea. And so, you know, speaking there of the time of Moses and the people there, because they didn't remember what God had done, they would rebel against the Lord after God had delivered them from the Red Sea. I'm sorry, God had delivered them from Egypt and from Pharaoh and all those things. So um, my exhortation to you and me as well, be careful to remember the Lord, his faithfulness, his goodness, what he's done for us, uh, that we wouldn't be forgetful um, of all that God has done. And so Moving on, look at verse 29 to 32. It says, then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihel with Mordecai, the Jew wrote with full authority to confirm this second letter about Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim at their appointed time as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had prescribed for them. And they had, and they had decreed for themselves and their descendants concerning the matter of fastings and lamenting. So the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim and it was written in the book. And so as we conclude chapter 29, it, it just lets us know that you know, Mordecai wrote the thing that we would observe this feast, the Feast of Purim. It's been made official. Uh, him, Esther, and the king have all kind of made this thing official, and this will be something that the Jews will continue. Uh, and, and to this day, they celebrate this, and they commemorate it, and they remember it. Um, I told you guys earlier, you know, when they, they, they tell the story of Esther, and every time we say the name uh, Haman, everybody does what? Boo! Right. Because he was such a jerk. And so uh, it's part of how they celebrate the thing. And so, you know, they still celebrate that to this day. Uh, and now let's look at chapter 10. It's just three verses, but we're going to finish the book of Esther here. Just one last, you know, reiteration of a divine reversal about how things have changed for Mordecai. And I want to just say, I, I do believe uh, the book is called the book of Esther. And Esther is, you know, obviously she's a, a, an amazing young lady. God does some amazing things in her life. Uh, I do see Mordecai as just kind of the unsung hero of the book, you know, that he raised this girl up as his own daughter. Uh, I believe he poured into her spiritual things. He was ministering to her while she was there. He kind of walked her through the whole situation. And we kind of see them walking in tandem. Even even at the at the end here, Esther's the queen, but the decisions that are being made are between these two. They're, they're kind of making decisions together. And the king is saying, OK, OK. Um, we just see this beautiful relationship here that um, this man uh, has made a, a significant difference. He has been used. Uh, he didn't he didn't take the life risk like Esther did. 
um, he encouraged it. But Esther took uh, the risk of her life. And so both of them have walked in faith. Both of them have took steps to trust God. And as we end, uh, we just see some of the things that have turned around for Mordecai. So chapter 10, verse 1, And King Ahasuerus imposed tribute on the land and on the islands of the sea. Now all the acts of his power and his might are, and the account of the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Media and Persia? And I, I, I believe that's the book that, you know, just chronicles things that were done. And uh, the one that the king read, had read to him the night he was bored and remembered that Mordecai had saved his life. Uh, verse uh, three, for Mordecai the Jew was second to King Ahasuerus and was great among the Jews and well received by the multitude of his brethren. And get this, seeking the good of his people and speak in peace to all his countrymen. And so as we end this book, God did something. This is, this, this is, you know, we can read a book like this and forget what a big deal this is. This is, this is huge that a Persian king has a right hand man that is a Jew. That this man has power and authority. He's, he's not just in the position. He's functioning in the position. He's there. Um, he's there doing a job. It says that he, he was well received by the multitude of his brethren. So he's received by the majority of the people. This is what he was doing. He was seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. Typically, you get well received by the people when you're real, when you do, when you're doing a good job, when you're doing the right thing. You know, Mordecai is well received by the majority of the people, and it says he's seeking the good of all his people and speaking peace to his countrymen. Though Haman was there initially and, and all the things that transpired, who made the difference in this book? God did. God's sovereign over it all, right? We gotta, re- we, we gotta remember that. So, There have been other times in history where godly men were under pagan kings. Daniel was under who? Anybody know? Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, who was a, you know, he was a bad guy. You know, he was a pagan king and everything else. Um, And you had godly men that were under, under that reign and and under, under those things. So we had, we had righteous government way back in the Old Testament when there was a theocracy, when God ruled the people. And if you guys remember, in the in the time of Samuel, the people said to, they wanted a king like everybody else. They basically said, God, we don't want the invisible God, right? We don't want that. Even though you've been awesome, you've, you've you know, led us out of Egypt, you've fed us in the wilderness, supernatural. We want a king. I want a king I can see. And God said, okay. You know, Samuel was upset. God said, Samuel, don't get mad. They haven't rejected you. They rejected me. And then they got their first king. What was his name? Saul, he was a big letdown. Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. He looked like he was going to protect them. Their enemies at the time were the Philistines. And when they finally had a time to fight the Philistine giant, you know, Goliath, what did Saul do? Anybody want to fight him? Uh, and if, if, if you happen to win, I'll give you freedom from taxes. I'll let you marry one of my raggedy daughters. Uh, you know, that's essentially what he did. Poor David. David got a jacked up daughter out of the deal. So, um, you know, he didn't, he didn't pan out well. And I don't believe that we're to look to man ever. We look to the Lord. We pray. We, we make our best. You know, we go vote. We do our best. We, we vote our faith, I hope. And, and then we trust the Lord for whatever he does. And rather we get the guy we wanted or the guy we didn't want. We pray for that guy. But we always look above that guy's head to the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 21 verse 1 says, The hearts 
of the kings are in his hands. And like the rivers of water, he turns them wherever he wishes. And I'll, I'll end with this. In Psalm 75, verse 7, it says, But God is the judge. He puts down one, and he exalts another. We saw that in Esther. He put down Haman, and he raised up Mordecai. Uh, he removed Vashti, and he put in Esther. Um, God puts down one, and he puts up another. God is sovereign over everything. Jesus has been on the throne. Jesus will be on the throne. May he continue to reign on the throne of our hearts. Amen. Have you ever found yourself in the middle of something and thought, why me? In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington is focusing on the life of two main characters that would change how the people of Susa saw God as their king forever. That's right, we're diving into the book of Esther. Esther 4.14 says this, If you keep quiet at times like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. The queen, of course, is one of our lead roles, Esther. The ending quote is known all around the world, but often the first part of the verse is left out. The next time you find yourself asking the question, why me? Remember the story of Esther and how she rose to the challenge. But it would seem under the threat of death. Thank God that we have the choice today to step up and rise to the occasion with the confidence that God is there with us. He will give you the strength you need for such a time as this. Thanks for listening to A Transforming Word. As you let the Word transform you, it will inevitably lead to transforming the world around you too. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. You can check us out at calvaryinglewood.org. And then, if you're in the area, make plans to come see us in person. We've got something for everyone. Once again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll be back, and we hope you will too. See you next time, right here on A Transforming Word.